As we approach the end of the year today and begin a new one tomorrow, many of us make New Year's resolutions, right? Don't we? Some even, uh, or most of us already have a list of New Year's resolutions, whether it's just an idea in our mind or we already wrote down it down in our planners. New Year's resolutions can vary from person to person based on their goals, their aspirations, their priorities in life, or their stage in life. However, some common themes tend to emerge each year. So let me share to you the seven most common New Year's resolution according to Google, or, or when you search in Google. So top seven most common uh, trends or common trends for New Year's resolutions. So top seven, learning a new skill or hobby. So some might want to learn a new language, want to learn how to paint, how to cook, to do graphic design, do video editing, or even code a website that can enrich their lives or add to a new skill. As they say, if you want to learn something new, just type how to blank, blank, blank in YouTube. Then you just watch it and you're, you're there already. So hashtag new skill unlock. Top six, improving relationships. We might be hoping for a broken relationship to be restored in the new year or to strengthen our current relationships together with our families, our relatives, and friends to want more, uh, more dinners, more bondings, more meals over with them to be closer to them. Some would want to expand their network or their social network or events for some hope to find that special someone next year. Top five, focusing on a career or starting a business venture. So you might, want to pro you might want that promotion next year that you worked so hard for this year that will boost your career in the corporate world or might be thinking of changing careers altogether. For others, there might be plans to start a new business or to expand your current business so that you would have more provision for you, you and your family. Top four, traveling to new places. As we aspire to have more stamps in our passports from the immigration counter or to have that Instagrammable shot of our passport with a ticket slip inside before boarding our flight. That's hashtag travel goals. Top three, getting healthier. Some might want to improve their dietary habits like consuming more fruits, consuming more vegetables, and reducing processed meat or eating out or eating in fast foods while others are willing to quit vices such as smoking or drinking alcohol that are damaging their health. In this top three, I can relate to myself because uh, as uh, a fan of uh, eating meat, eating seafood, I tried this before. I tried to have one new vegetable or fruit added to my list to, for, for the things that I rarely eat. All right? And top two, uh, managing personal finances. So this includes... Uh, saving money, investing, budgeting, re reducing our debt, or planning for financial stability. Maybe your goal next year is to have your first million pesos in your bank account, or you plan to retire early at the age of 40 or 50 years old. Some would even do their best to resist the temptation to shop whether at the mall or the deals that you can find in Shopee, in Lazada, in the online stores during the double-double and payday sales. Maybe some of you just checked out during the payday sale this weekend or just today before going to church, and your carts are still full and the wish lists are still full for the 1-1 sale tomorrow. And I think 
you know or you know in your mind what's the top one already. Top one most common New Year's resolution, the common trend is getting in shape and exercising more. So many people set their goals related in improving their physical health, losing weight, or getting fit, or adopting a regular exercise routine like five times a week with two rest days. This will be evident when you go to the gym this week, having been it so empty for the past two weeks. For sure, the gyms or the fitness centers will be packed maybe for the first couple of weeks, first month, first quarter of the year, and then there will be a mass exodus after that. And for us, in the Phil Chai context, the eating, the celebrating is not yet over until Chinese New Year in February. <laughs> so funny as it is, going into the new year is like a breath of fresh air for us. And most of the time, we want to start anew, especially if the year, especially this year, did not go our way. We all picture ourselves before the start of the new year with a well-thought-out plan, carefully crafted to be able to reach our goal and the things that we have planned for us. So it's like a blank canvas yet to be painted or a journey waiting to unfold in front of us. But how do we come up with the plans or the goals in our lives in the first place or even in the New Year's resolutions that we make? As the Bible mentions, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The fruits of it are the goals and the aspirations that we have in our lives. And our plans and goals in life are not just for the new years, but the plans that we make all throughout our life, it stems from the desires of our hearts. And as we plan, as we produce that plan, or how to get from there, from point A to point B, for us to be able to reach that goal. Today, let's explore what the Bible would teach us about the plans of our hearts and the divine guidance from God that shapes our journey in life. We will be discovering three biblical principles on how to trust God's navigation in the journey of our lives as we plan for it. Not just for the new year, but as we plan out our lives for His honor and glory. So if you have your Bibles with you, I would like you to turn to Proverbs chapter 16 in the Old Testament. And we will be looking at verses 1 to 9 today. Proverbs 6, chapter 16, verses 1 to 9. The book of Proverbs is classified as wisdom literature in the Bible alongside the other books in the Old Testament, such as Job, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. The book of Proverbs is often attributed to King Solomon, most of it, the son of King David. It serves as a guide for wise living in various aspects of our life, including relationships, work, speech, and moral conduct. We can learn from this book on how to involve and trust in God to guide us as we begin the first steps of our plans and goals in life this new year. As we study Proverbs 16 today, let us take into heart its teachings as a source of timeless wisdom in our everyday lives. The biblical principles found in this chapter or in this book is not confined in the ancient times, but offer practical guidance for wise and righteous living, even in our context today. That is fitting as we start the new year, as we make plans for the new year ahead. Let's begin by reading verse 1. The preparation of the heart belongs to man, 
but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. As a start, at the start of the passage, Solomon reminds us that the human heart is, is a planning ground. It's a planning ground for us. It's a place where dreams are born. It's a place where decisions take shape. And as human beings, we are wired to plan, we are wired to envision the future, and we are to hope for our future. Yet, the second half of this verse introduces a divine perspective. The answer, the outcome, is from the Lord. It is an acknowledgement that as we plan, our ultimate reliance should be on the one who holds the answers. So just imagine an architect meticulously crafting a blueprint before the first brick, before the foundation has been poured. There is a meticulous planning phase. It's not, it didn't happen overnight. It's months of planning, careful planning. Each line of the architect's sketch represents a decision. Every detail symbolizes a choice made in the planning process. The architect faces challenges along the way, which includes unexpected obstacles, limited resources, and the need for flexibility if something happens during the construction phase. But despite the challenges, the architect is guided by a grand vision and a clear purpose for the building he is building. Likewise, in our lives, we are the architects of our plans. We sketch our own blueprints, our plans, our dreams, our goals. The process involves careful consideration, strategic thinking, and a vision for the future. However, we encounter our unforeseen challenges, shifting circumstances, and the need for adaptability. Planning is an inherent part of our journey. And like the architect's sketch, our plans should align with a higher purpose. As architects of our plans, may we find the encouragement in recognizing God is the master planner. Let's move on to verse 2. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. Solomon now turns our attention to a self-perception versus divine discernment. As human beings, we tend to view our own actions with a degree of purity. Our actions are always pure and good based on our perspective, but the Lord is the one who is examining our hearts and our motives. Which explains the second half of this verse, which says, But the Lord weighs the spirits. This verse echoes the importance of humility before the Lord, recognizing that our perspectives, our human perspectives, may be limited. That is why when two people get into an argument or misunderstanding, both parties will always say that they are right, they are correct. But because both parties, having good intentions and pure motives based on their own understanding, based on their own perspective of what happened. As Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 mentions that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So imagine or think of a normal, ordinary mirror in front of us that shows us how we appear externally. We can see our face, we can see our body, but now imagine a divine mirror in front of us 
or a divine x-ray or CT scan that can reveal the motives or the intentions in our hearts. God's omniscience goes beyond our physical surface. It penetrates to the core of our being, our spirits. So don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that our desire to be successful, to plan big, to dream big is wrong. I'm not saying that our goals or our dreams in life should be toned down by a bit as believers. But as we reflect on our lives, we should allow God to search and examine our hearts. Even in, just in the face of beginning, in the face of planning, there might be hidden motives, there might be hidden desires that may be contrary to God's will, right? We need to realize that our self-perception is very limited as human beings. But God's divine discernment reveals the true motives of our hearts. Let us examine our hearts and let God's discernment guide the motives behind every decision as we plan. This requires an ongoing process of surrendering and aligning our hearts and desires with God's desires. Now, let's take a look at verse 3. Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. So in this verse, Solomon provides a positive directive for us. Rather than relying on human understanding, we are encouraged to commit our works, commit our plans, and our endeavors to the Lord. The promise is that by acknowledging God's sovereignty and seeking His guidance, our thoughts and plans will find a firm foundation for our journey in life. It is an invitation to actively involve God in our planning process and trust Him with the outcome. When a ship sets sails, it charts its course, but its stability, its direction depend on a very competent captain. Similarly, committing our works to the Lord ensures that our life's journey ahead or when our life's journey sets sails and plans that we make is guided by our ultimate captain, which is God. We are to view planning as a collaborative effort with God. We commit our works to Him, we acknowledge His sovereignty, and invite Him to guide our thoughts and actions. We are to let go of the pressure of having everything figured out on our own. Instead, we are to trust in the sovereignty of God, let Him be the one to guide us in our planning, trusting that His thoughts surpasses our own understanding. As the prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9, where the Lord said, For as heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Our prayer should not be of wanting for our plan to happen, but we are to engage in the intentional surrender of our plans and desires that is in our hearts. We are to actively commit our plans to God through prayer, seeking His guidance, and trusting that He will establish the thoughts and the outcomes according to His perfect will, His perfect timing. Through these first three verses in our passage today, we can sum up our first biblical principle. So biblical principle number one, remember to include God in our planning. Remember to include God in our planning. 
So as most of you know, for those who know me personally, I'm a very organized person. Well, I can admit that I'm a very, let's say an OC person to be exact. So I want things to be organized, to put into proper places, to be cleaned. Uh, even my things, I usually buy separate cases for them to be organized, reprotected. Uh, some of the church staff uh, usually ask me, uh, is my shoes new every week? I told them on a Sunday, um, after getting all the shoes that uh, I wore for that week, Monday is our rest day, so that's the time that I clean my shoes every week before returning it to the box. So that's how OC I am. So even in planning out my schedule, I take that OC-ness with me. So during my time in the seminary, I would plan out all the projects, all the papers for the semester that I plan to finish one or two days ahead before the class deadline written in our syllabus. I pressured myself when I wasn't able to meet the deadline for the projects, for the papers, even if I know in my head or I know in my mind, I was still early for the class deadline. So maybe that's why uh, my white hair grow, grew more during those times in, my, in the seminary. So even when I started here in church, as I do full-time in the ministry, some of the volunteers or some of the core team that I have worked with uh, may have noticed or may have experienced this before when we plan camps, when we plan special events. Usually, the internal schedule of things that we need to prepare for the ministry is so jam-packed that there is no room for error, no room for adjustments. I usually get frustrated if we do not meet the internal deadline that we set as a team to get things done in our checklist. So some people might think uh, when we plan camps, when we plan special events, big events here in the church, it's very easy. No, it's, it's, it's hard, it's uh, time-consuming, and we usually plan months, months ahead. So, but time and time again, unexpected things would happen that would derail the internal deadlines that we make. But in the end, everything will work out and fall into place, not according to our plans, not according to our timelines, not according to our deadlines, but by God's will and His perfect timing. So I hope you see where I'm getting at. The Lord taught me and still is teaching me until today that I have to include Him in my planning because I cannot control everything in my schedule, in the deadlines that I set for myself, no matter how organized, no matter how OC I am as a person. Our first biblical principle of remembering to include God in our planning is both an encouragement for us and a challenge for us. It encourages us to acknowledge God's discernment and actively involve Him in our planning. But it challenges us to surrender our limited perspectives, purify our motives, and commit our works to the Lord. As believers, let us move forward with a renewed perspective on planning, the one that acknowledges the need to include God in our plans. In doing so, may our plans be aligned with His perfect will leading to a future that glorify and honor the Lord. Our journey begins with an acknowledgement that the, that the divine director in the blueprint of our lives, that He is the ultimate master planner. Let's continue on with verse 4. Verse 4, The Lord has made all for Himself, yes, even the wicked for the day of doom. So in this verse, Solomon continues Proverbs 16 with a declaration of God's sovereign purpose in creation. 
The phrase, the Lord has made all for himself, emphasizes God's absolute authority and control over his creation. Even the existence of the wicked, though seemingly very contradictory, serves a purpose in God's master plan. This is a reminder for us that God's purpose extends beyond our comprehension. This reveals God's ultimate control over every aspect of our lives. Even the destiny of the wicked, that even when they rebelled against God, the Lord's purpose prevails and the wicked will be destined for a day of judgment, for a day of doom in the end. So imagine just like a master, uh, masterful artist crafting a painting, every stroke, whether it's a vibrant color or a dark one, a dark color contributes to the bigger picture or the grand masterpiece of his painting. So similarly, God as a divine artist weaves the wicked into the tapestry of his sovereign master plan. We are to take comfort in the truth that God is in control, even in the complexities of our lives. We are to trust in Him that He has a purpose even amidst the trials and challenges that we face, that we just had experienced this year. Our sovereign God orchestrates all things for His glory, for His righteous purposes. In the times of uncertainty, confusion, or sorrow, Anchor our trust in the one who holds the master plan. Verse 5. Everyone proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though they join forces, none will go unpunished. Solomon turns our attention to the moral aspect of the heart, which is pride. Which is characterized as what? As an abomination to him. The proud heart, thinking that it knows better stands in opposition to God's plan. Solomon's warning is very clear. Those who are proud in heart will face divine judgment. Even collective human efforts cannot escape the divine judgment when pride is their driving force. We can see that pride really is an abomination to the Lord as it would repeat in verse 18 of the same chapter in Proverbs 16 verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So imagine a tall building or a skyscraper built on a shaky foundation. So no matter how grand the outside facade, how expensive the internal structure is, or it is vulnerable to collapse when a natural earthquake hits it. Similarly, when pride begins to brew in our hearts, it builds a shaky foundation in our hearts for our endeavors, rendering them vulnerable to divine correction. Can we take this moment to examine our hearts? Are there areas of pride that we need to confess to God and ask for His forgiveness? Brothers and sisters, pride can subtly creep into our hearts, but its consequences are very severe. May we find the encouragement in humility as we seek God's grace for a humble heart. Let's now go to verse 6. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. And by fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. From verses 4 to 5, Solomon writes about how the wicked are still part of God's plan. 
and a warning to the prideful heart that it is an abomination to his eyes, coupling it with an impending doom and divine punishment for the wicked and the prideful. In verse 6, Solomon now in turn encourages us by a redemptive power of God's mercy and His truth. Atonement is not distant. It is made available by His mercy and by His truth. As it would be revealed in the New Testament through His Son, Jesus Christ, as Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Consequently, in the second part of verse 6, the fear of the Lord becomes the transformative force that leads us away from the path of evil, which can lead us to be wicked, which could lead us to be prideful. The combination of God's mercy, God's truth, and reverent fear leads to a transformative departure from sinful ways. As Solomon writes in the previous chapter in Proverbs chapter 3, Verses 5 to 8, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. I love verse 7 here. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Solomon reminds us not to think pridefully that we are wise enough to already plan out our lives, but instead, we are to fear the Lord and depart from evil. May we be able to cultivate a genuine fear of the Lord. This is not fear of punishment, this is not a fear of judgment, but a fear in reverence that would lead us to a life of obedience, to a life of righteousness. It is through the fear of the Lord that we can find strength to turn away from the allures of evil and to live in righteousness. Verses 4 to 6 collectively talks about why we need to include God in our planning, because God is in control of the future. God sees through it and knows what will happen in the end. He can bring destruction to the wicked. He can punish the prideful. And most especially, He can provide redemption for the righteous. Through this, we can see our second biblical principle. Biblical principle number two, remember to include God in our planning because He is in control of the future. Remember to include God in our planning because He is in control of the future. Our God knows already what lies ahead before we even make, made our plans. The first steps we would take and even the detours, the roadblocks that we will face along the way. We are to involve the one who holds tomorrow in our planning. You know, personally, I'd like to drive whether short or long drives. I don't mind that traffic even because it de-stresses me and frees up my mind of the things that I need to think about or the stress that I need to, to deal with since I need to focus on the road while I'm driving. And I think in our generation right now, we are so reliant on using navigation apps such as Waze, such as uh, Google Maps, every time we drive, right? Even if we drove to a certain place hundreds of times already, we still set up our navigation app before we hit the road. I don't know if anyone here in our, in our congregation does this, 
But when I'm driving and using Waze going home from a place that I just drove to, I just use it uh, halfway, halfway through, especially if the roads are already very familiar to me and I, I can navigate on my own going back home. So as I close the Waze app on my phone to save my phone's battery, that's how OC I am, I want to save my phone's battery. I'll take a glance at the estimated time of arrival or ETA of ways that estimated for me to reach my destination. So if you ask me, uh, Kenneth, what do you do with the ETA of ways? I'll just answer with this. I'll try to beat that ETA. So like, it's a, like a beat the clock challenge for me. So it's like a challenge. So as I'm driving back, I'll take a look at the clock on, on the dashboard and compare the time with the ETA of ways that I just saw earlier. If I will make it or do I need to drive faster? Do I need to focus more on my driving? Of course, just a disclaimer, I'm not going beyond the speed limit, especially in Skyway or in the expressway. Just making it clear. So a while ago, a while ago, uh, uh, someone from the earlier service uh, mentioned to me that um, their record is 30 minutes now, 30 minutes. So after parking the car, when I arrive, I'll check the time if I have beaten the ETA of ways. So if you ask me, what do I get? What do I get for beating the ETA of ways? Do I get richer? Do I get a cash prize? Do I get um, a new car? Well, nothing. It's just bragging rights for me. It's just pride for me. The five to eight minute difference, I can't beat the 30 minute uh, record a while ago from one of the churchgoers. I won't name it now. It just gave me the unnecessary stress of driving back and checking the clock from time to time pressuring myself to beat the ETA of ways, which, which could have been just a chill, nice coasting, nice driving in the expressway, in the skyway, going back home. Sometimes, the pride in our hearts insists that we know a better route for us or that we could drive faster or to reach that destination faster and beat the ETA to be able to reach the end goal of our plans faster. We are to cultivate a humble heart and recognize that we cannot be prideful in our plans because we do not know what will happen in our future or what will happen to our carefully laid out plans. But God already knows. He knows already if you will get your first million pesos in your bank account. He knows already if you, get, if you would get the job promotion or get that business deal. He would also know if you would get that big yes from a girl that you are courting or planning to propose to. Or even, he already knows that if you would get your visa approved to see Taylor, Taylor Swift concert next year, which I know some of you will go. Only God knows the future and we don't. Even from the time that we were conceived until the time we leave this earth, only God knows and He is in control of it. We are to follow God and not ask God to follow us and our plans. Let me repeat that. We are to follow God and not ask God to follow us and our plans. We are to embrace humility in planning, not pride. In humility, we acknowledge that understanding God's ways entirely is beyond our grasp. Yet we trust in His will. 
when we recognize the limits of our understanding and submit our plans to God, let us allow God's wisdom to shape the course of our journey in life because He holds the future. It is crucial to recognize that God holds the map of our journey. Our confidence in planning stems not from our ability to predict the future, but from the assurance that the one who holds the future is intimately involved in each and every single one of our lives. Let's proceed with verse 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Solomon continues with a powerful declaration of the transformative impact of including God in our planning. When our ways and plans align with God's standards of righteousness, even those who may oppose us find themselves peace with us. It is a divine reversal brought about by a life that pursues and pleases the Lord. As King David writes in Psalm 37, verses 3 to 6, Trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land, and feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. So let's look back at, at the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis. Despite facing betrayal from his brothers and challenges that came along the way, when he was sold into slavery, when he was falsely accused, and, he, and when he was imprisoned, his journey seemed far off from what he had planned on or how it started. His plans led him to places he never imagined. Yet, in the end, he recognizes God's sovereign hand as Joseph declared when he faced his brothers in Genesis chapter 50. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Joseph's commitment to righteousness ultimately led, led to reconciliation with his brothers. Pleasing God can pave the way for unexpected reconciliation in our own lives. May we be able to prioritize pleasing God in our daily choices. The promise that He can turn even the hearts of our enemies towards peace is a testament of, to the power of, a living of living a life that is in alignment with God's principles and His sovereign will. So can we examine our own ways? Are there areas in our lives that we need to align with God's standards? Let's embrace the challenge of pleasing God, trusting that it brings about transformative reconciliation and peace in our lives. Let's continue on with verse 8. Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. Solomon now contrasts the value of righteousness with material wealth. The wisdom conveyed here in this proverb is clear. A modest, per, a modest possession accompanied by righteousness surpasses immense riches obtained without justice. It highlights the eternal significance of living a simple life in righteousness over material prosperity. So imagine a person with limited resources, yet their actions are characterized by integrity, by justice, by righteousness. Comparing it to with someone 
who accumulated vast wealth but through questionable means. The former, despite having little, possesses a wealth of righteousness that far exceeds the value of material wealth. May we find the encouragement in the enduring value of righteousness in, the, in a world that often values wealth, that often values uh, material possessions. God's Word reminds us that a life marked by integrity and justice is of greater worth. Finally, verse 9. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Solomon now acknowledges the innate human nature to plan and to strategize, as he did in the first verse of our passage. Then he follows it with a crucial truth. While individuals may devise their plans, the ultimate direction and outcome lie in the hands of the Lord. The culmination of Solomon's wisdom brings us to the delicate interplay between human planning and divine guidance. A man's heart plans his way. This acknowledges our innate desire to strategize, to set goals, to envision the future or our future. Yet, the core lies in the acknowledgement that the Lord directs our steps. This dynamic interweaving emphasizes the partnership between human intentionality and divine orchestration. So just imagine a symphony of, of an orchestra. The conductor carefully planning each note and the musicians faithfully following the conductor's direction. The beauty emerges in the harmonious collaboration between the planned composition and the spontaneous guidance of the conductor. Likewise, our plans find resonance when aligned with the divine conductor orchestrating step each step of our lives. In these last three verses of our passage today, Solomon tells us on how we are to respond when we plan things in our lives, when we plan out our lives. We are to please the Lord in ensuring that everything is done with righteousness, even the things we plan in our lives because God's, God will ensure that His righteous ways will come to pass. Through this, we can see our third and final biblical principle. Biblical principle number three, prioritize righteousness in our planning. As we plan, we are to prioritize righteousness in our planning. So going back to navigation apps, imagine you're about to embark on a road trip to a destination that you are not familiar with. You have your ways, you have your Google Maps ready to guide you. It calculates the best routes, taking into consideration traffic conditions, road closures, detours, and, and it ensures that you reach your destination efficiently and without necessary delays. Our lives are like a journey for us, and our plans are the routes that we take. Just as a navigation app guides us in our journey when we go to a place, God's Word serves as our spiritual navigation app, providing direction, providing guidance for our lives, making sure that we are on the right path of righteous living. When we prioritize righteousness in our planning, we are aligning our plans with God's purposes, ensuring that our journey is not only efficient, but also pleasing to Him. 
It ensures that our journey aligns with God's will, leading to a life that not only reaches our destination, but it does so in a way that brings glory, that would bring honor to Him. For example, in the workplace or in school, instead of focusing solely on career develop, advancement, financial gain, or getting high grades, we are to prioritize righteousness and we need to choose honesty, we need to choose integrity, and we need to choose fairness. When we are faced with a moral dilemma, let righteousness be the guide or be the navigation app in our decision-making. My, my prayer is that we can prioritize righteousness in the plans that we make. It may require choices that seem countercultural or seem uh, not so much uh, a big fan in the world, but the lasting impact of a righteous life surpasses the fleeting attraction of material wealth that this world offers to us. Let us strive to please the Lord in our daily conduct, prioritizing righteousness over material gain and recognizing the need of God's guidance in our plans and endeavors. As we plan our days, the months ahead, the years ahead, set our goals, and navigate the complexities of our lives, let us prioritize righteousness. Righteousness should not just be an afterthought for us. It should be the cornerstone that upholds the structure of our plans. When we prioritize righteousness, we align our decisions with God's will, creating a framework for our life that would reflect His honor and glory as we live our lives in this earth. You know, growing up as a kid uh, with a short attention span, when we go to, far, to a far place that would take more than around 30 minutes of travel, I would usually bug my parents or ask the question, are we there yet? I'm sure some or even most of us, when we were kids, were also like that, or even we hear it now with our children, especially when we take family road trips. Why do we ask the question, are we there yet? It might be because we are anticipating and we already want to be in the destination that we are going to. Since we know and we planned out that road trip, that vacation, we know that there would be a nice hotel, a nice resort, or a nice scenery of mountains, or a cool beach or swimming, swimming pool, and yummy food and restaurants once we get to that destination. And if the parent tells the child to stop asking the question, are we there yet, what do you think will happen? What will happen is that the more the child will ask, are we there yet, right? We are sometimes like that with God and our plans. We lay down our plans to reach our goal, or to reach our dreams, to reach our aspiration. And we keep on asking God, are we there yet? Or sometimes when we're down, we can't wait anymore, we are asking God, why am I not there yet? Our planning and God's guidance goes hand in hand together. We may have, while we may have plans for our goals, our dreams, our aspirations, we are to trust God's, uh, trust the Lord that, that He is actively directing our steps. His guidance ensures that our journey aligns with His perfect will for everyone because He knows the future. We are to embrace the dynamic interplay 
between planning the desires of our hearts, including God in our planning, and surrendering our plans to Him as we live in righteousness. We are to recognize that our plans are subject to divine redirection based on God's perfect will and timing, trusting that God's guidance, even if it leads to unexpected paths, is always for our ultimate good and it is according to His master plan. We are to acknowledge God's role in our plans and our own limitations. We are to follow God and not ask God to follow us and to follow our plans. As we prepare to plan for the new year, for the, for, for the months ahead, for the years ahead, let us recognize that the ultimate answer relies on God's hands. It allows for us to plan with confidence, knowing that God directs our steps. Friends, as we start the year ahead of us and make our plans for the new year, make our New Year's resolution, may we be reminded to, number one, remember to include God in our planning. As to why we need to include God in our planning is number two, remember to include God in our planning because He is in control of the future. And finally, our response is to, number three, prioritize righteousness in our planning. Brothers and sisters, let us live our lives with hearts committed to God's wisdom. May our planning be a spiritual journey for each one of us, a constant seeking of God's guidance and an alignment with His righteous principles. As you navigate the path of the new year, may God's presence, may God's sovereignty and righteousness illuminate your way as we embark in our journey with a profound trust in the Lord who directs our steps. Music